Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, y'all? We are in here for another episode of Believe in Kentucky. Got AG up here, Aaron Gershon from the Cats Paws. Y'all check out his top 100 players under Mark Stoops' era. The countdown is winding down. Y'all be sure to check that out. You doing all right, Aaron? Doing well. Excited for another week. We got um, a former player on who we're hoping to have on often now. And, uh, Obviously, we got some drama to catch up and talk about, which I found myself in the middle of for no reason. So uh, I got got a lot of fun going on. There's there's never a dull moment in Lexington, even in August. Exactly. And we to go with the AG, we got the OG. We got (laughs) former UK defensive end Otis Grigsby, 99 to 02, wore the blue and white, made his way from the Lone Star State to the Bluegrass State. And did his thing for the cats, man. Otis, welcome to the podcast. Believe in Kentucky. We're glad to have you on here with us, man. Hey, Vinny and Aaron, I, I really appreciate it. It's uh, been a pleasure getting to know you. And uh yeah, I'm I'm ready to have fun, talk uh, all things cats. I need to change my last name to G to kind of get with you. I need to you had a VG up in here or something. You're, cl- you're close, yeah. You're close. <laughs> yeah, just back it up from H to a G. Yeah. yeah. And get on board with y'all, man. <laughs> well, man, glad to have you. Uh, like I said, you did your thing for the Cats. DN, six-year NFL career as well, man. You're telling us some stories and some new experiences from your journey before we start recording, man. You got you got quite a journey, Otis. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, it was uh, it, it was quite a journey, unexpected. I mean, you know, you look at that six years, and it was one year uh, with the Dolphins, three straight years of getting cut, and then two more years uh, where I'm on an active roster. So. Uh, really, really the most roller coaster of roller coaster rides uh, possible, and I, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't tra- change it for the world. I, I enjoyed it myself for sure. Now, those full years that were with the Panthers and Vikings. Do you consider yourself a member of one of those teams? Like when you say my NFL team is, do you have one, or is it every team that gave you the opportunity type thing? Because it's always different with the former NFL guys. You know. It's it's so I grew up a Cowboys fan okay. and uh and I'm no Cowboys longer, fan. yeah yeah so I mean look so I hate to break your heart Vinny but I'm no longer a Cowboys fan just I don't root against them it's just you know once you get in the NFL and I'm sure y'all have heard this before you're now you're not just playing for the team you're on you're playing for the team you're on and then 31 other teams and, you know, I will play for anyone who will pay me because, you know, it's like it's all about extending that dream of going out there, hitting people, having fun and, and getting paid to do it. And uh, so but I will say as far as the teams that I, I mean, I root for all my former teams, I mean, I don't really count the Falcons because they I never actually made the active roster there or, or really any roster with them. But um, my, you know, my experience was different with all these teams. And I'd say 
you know, the Dolphins, I had the most fun. I was surrounded by like the most, you know, Hall of Fame type guys, the most talent. Uh, but they didn't let me touch the field. I mean, I was on the roster, but never suited up, never played. Vikings, on the other hand, I got to play more. And even after, you know, in retirement, these this team, there's something about that organization where they just take care of former players. You know, the the alumni events just hit different. I've been to I've been to the Dolphins, Panthers, and Vikings alumni events. And, you know, the Vikings by far, it's just, it's in a whole nother class. And no offense to these other people, it's just like, you know, because I'll let them know, like, if we're, we're all competing here, you know, it's, it's, it's hot competition and the Vikings are, are doing it better. And, and there are times where, you know, these things overlap and it's like, uh, like, which one am I going to go to? It's warm here, but, you know, they're going to, the, the welcome is warmer over here. So let's, let's go there. And, and when I'm playing Madden football, I'm, I'm using the Vikings. So <laughs> there you go. that settles there. it right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just like defense and, and, and a running back that can, you know, make moves, you know, so. That's yeah. for sure. And you were saying, I know it was only a few weeks, but you got to see, you know, watch the whole Brett Favre saga there unfold and got to see him in practice for a few weeks there. Yeah, yeah. So that was, uh, I mean, for the people who are old enough to remember that it was it was a fiasco. I don't think I've ever seen anything <laughs> like that in sports where one player goes to another team and they're following him. I mean, I guess the closest to that we had was the decision, but even the decision, it wasn't like we're following LeBron down South Beach to, to like to the facility. Mm -hmm. They followed this man with a helicopter and a camera from the airport to the facility, and we all watched it. And he showed up, and it was like we knew what we were getting. And when he got there, he just took over. Everything just changed instantly. The weight from like the cadence you know, when he's, he's yelling out the plays and everything. And, and it just felt like, you know, you get these chills and you felt like I'm witnessing, not one, not only I'm witnessing history, but two, I feel like just being here, we're about to make history. Like this is a team with him on it. We had Adrian Peterson. I mean, we had like, we're stacked the Williams wall. I mean, you know, Jared Allen, like that, that defense, you know, number one, you know, run defense like three years in a row, like, like all we needed was a guy who could throw the ball. And then we got really like one of the all-time greats, which just felt like destiny. We're going to win the Super Bowl, And then I'm going to retire and go to law school. That was, that was my plan. I'm going to, I'm going to win the Super Bowl, retire, go to law school and I'll be done with this. But I got cut and uh, it was, it was a very shocking moment. And as I told y'all before, uh, Rick Spielman, who I love, this man cried over firing me. I've never, never had anyone cry when they fired me. And he said, you know, we're going to bring you back. Don't worry. It's not the end. We'll bring you back as soon as, as soon as someone gets hurt. And no one got hurt. No defensive ends got hurt. No D-lineman got hurt. And uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty much the start of the end for me. Um, and I think the final, the really the final nail in the coffin for me was when I went to go work out for the Rams. Um, it was around Thanksgiving. So it was the first workout, the first workout I actually got to go to, like teams will call you. So there's, I don't know if you all had these conversations with people, but teams will call you to come in and you work out on, on Monday. Right. And it's weird when you're on an NFL team and you see guys like show up to like work out and they play your position. It's like. 
it's like, okay, they're, they, they're clearly not happy with one of us, possibly me. Um, and, and so, and so we came in on a Monday worked out, it was me and like some guy that, you know, went to Oklahoma and another guy, both of these guys were huge. And, and I, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm just go out here and do my thing. And at the end of it all, they were like, okay, you're, you know, you got, you did the best. We're going to go ahead and sign you. We're going to sign you to a practice squad position. And I was like, mm, I don't even know what you're talking about right now, sir. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I did not like, they're like, yeah, no, we, we brought you out here to try out for a practice squad spot. And I said, look, there's no way my agent would let me come out here for that. Um, I don't even know how I, I I'm not even eligible for the practice squad. I've, I've been playing the NFL for too long. It doesn't make any sense. And they were like, well, you, you do have eligibility. And we did tell your agent that. And so we were kind of in this weird standoff. So I, I get back to my hotel room. I'm talking to my agent and I was like, Curtis, do you, have you, what are they talking about? He looked it up. Cause he didn't, he didn't even know the, so the practice squad eligibility, and I don't know if it's still this way now, but back then, if you didn't play more than eight games in a season, then like you could still play on the practice squad. And, and I had never actually physically played in more than eight games. The most I'd played in one season was in eight games. So, wow. so they were, they were kind of getting like cute with some stuff. And, and um, I just really wasn't having it. I was like, I've got other things going on. And at the time the Rams was, they were like the worst team in the NFL and, uh, you know, it's like when you get cut by the worst team, you know, if you get cut by the worst team, like, where do you go from there? Uh, and so I just told him, I was like, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm done. Like, I, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Like send me home. And then they wouldn't let me leave. So I was like in the hotel room and my old D line coach from the Vikings was like, Otis, look, just sign the contract. Like eventually we'll like we'll move you up on the practice from the practice squad i'm like that's you know like man that's not how it works man you know that's not how it works and these dudes are lying so like i don't trust you <laughs> i mean i trust you but not them and so you know when you when you walk away from from an opportunity even like a practice squad opportunity everyone finds out it's it's essentially a decision to retire and my agent was like well look i respect what you're doing here if you walk it's over. And I was like, so be it. Let's go. Like, I'm not doing that. So I'm a man of principle, but you know, sometimes, sometimes I, you know, I, I might take a little too far, but I think that was the right move. And, and I'm, I, I have no regrets on that. Uh, and also I apologize, apologize for talking too much. I don't know if I, no, I'm like, you know, I don't want to talk too much, but yeah. No, it's a fascinating story that that's great perspective right there. Yeah. Yeah. And we mentioned at the outset, but I'll mention it now. We are like mentioned to believe in Kentucky, and you can get this episode, past episodes, all the upcoming episodes. Go to believe.com, B L E A V.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, this episode with Otis will be here. You can follow him on Twitter at Believe. You can follow Aaron at Agershaw99. You can follow Otis at Otis Grigsby. 18 you can follow me at vinnie hardy vinnie with a y hardy with a y so yeah otis we definitely had to get in and, and get some perspective some of your experiences uh, of course we talk about the cats as well uh, there's a, a little stuff going on with the athletic department that's been <laughs> happening and so we're definitely diving into that but 
had to get some of your NFL experience as well. Um, what stands out to you from your time at Kentucky? You were there from 99 to 02. Like you mentioned, Hal Mummy, uh, was, that was that era. <laughs> uh, focus was more on the offensive side of the ball at that time, to say the <laughs> least. <laughs> Hey, well, I got some. I've got some stories to tell about that. Um, I'm not sure if I should, but yeah, I, yeah, maybe. Yes, uh, you know, I honestly, my um, the biggest takeaway that I, I from like my time in Kentucky is, and this is what I was telling y'all before, it's just the people in in Lexington, the people across Kentucky. They're they're just such good, like kind people. Just really want to like get to know you it's it's like and it felt like texas like when i went on my recruiting trip it was it was weird because it was after um it was after the outback bowl so there was no one on campus the team was pretty much gone and the only reason i was there for that at that time was it was because uh we my high school coaches were like, look, you're not going on any, we don't let anyone go on recruiting trips during the season because we're trying to win a state championship. And if somebody is going and then the rest of these guys aren't, then that's a distraction. And so I just had to tell guys like, look, I'm not going until after the season, which, which made, you know, caused me to lose some scholarship opportunities. But Again, I'm a principled guy, and I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look out for my my people, and we're gonna do things right. And Kentucky stood by, stood by that. You know those wishes there. But I got there, and it, I mean, if there was snow on the ground. I'm from San Antonio. Snow, like I, I mean, I <laughs> kind of vaguely remember it, like when I was like maybe eight years old. Some flakes fell down, but there was snow to the point where it was blowing in the street. And my my old teammate and, my, and I, uh, Nick Seitz, who I went to high school with. He was like, we started calling it snow smoke because it just like made this smoke in the in the streets and it was just weird. And and then like our, our van lost lost control. We slid off the road and, and, and ran to a fence. And they were freaked out, like, like we were gonna just like, you know, be like, nah, we're done. We loved it. It was like we just got in a car accident, like single car accident, sliding off the road. And, like, this is awesome. Like so yeah, I mean, the takeaway of the people, um, and I and honestly, I'll I'd also say. You know, there's when I came to Kentucky, I came with with this belief that, you know, I could help build something, um, something different. Right. And, you know, I know we're going to talk about the comments about Kentucky being a basketball school. Mm-hmm. When I came, you know, it was on the heels of Tim Couch leaving to the NFL. People are like, why are you going to Kentucky? You know, Tim Couch is leaving like you're not going to win any games, blah, blah, blah. And, and to me, it's like, I want to be a part of something that is growing. Like, you know, I've been a part of a high school football program that was established. I want to like build something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we made some, some good strides, but uh, I really feel like a lot of what we did still is part of that, that foundation of like where the program is now. And, and it's funny because like, you know, Mitch Barnhart, came to Kentucky when I was, you know, it was like, so 2002, right. That was going into my senior year. And I was so impressed by him. This man knew the names of every single athlete across all the sports. Like I had conversations with people and they were like, this dude knew my name. 
And I'm like, I don't even know your name. <laughs> and, and i'll tell you what otis that's something that i've talked to with some of the baseball guys i've gotten to know them pretty well everyone says that to this day he knows everybody left and right in the athletic program whether and i don't know some of the programs back when you were there if they're I, i'm not sure which teams are new and whatnot honestly off the top of my head what years they all came in but he knows everyone in the building and there's some things that the fans are mad at him right now for but one thing you can't ever question with mitch barnard is his dedication it, it's something else yeah i i've never i've i mean i understand fans being frustrated and you know wanting more and you know he gets paid a lot of money to deliver and you know i totally get it but like this is he's one of like the just the kindest like just most quality human beings I've ever met and and I've I've never once had a thought like oh we need to like that whole that whole thing where people for know, years ago it was like ditch Mitch or whatever like I never I never understood that you know I don't think that people really understand how much goes into managing all these parts and. And it's um, I mean, to his credit, like I think he he looked at what was at Kentucky, this powerful fan base that's that's going to show up, and and have so much pride in the the, the real state school, um, and 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 he realized that there's an opportunity to build, you know, a program that that's top ten across the board, and. Um, and so it's no surprise to see that, you know, things are, are where they are now, but, you know, it, it's, if you like, you can look at me, right. And say, Oh, Otis Grigsby is like some fantastic athlete. And, you know, of course he was going to be in the NFL. That's actually not true. Right. Like at some, at one point I was, um, I wasn't good enough to be on the, the, the senior poster, the, the football poster, my senior year at Kentucky, I, I, in high school or actually before high school, I wasn't good enough to to be on the A team. I wasn't even good enough to start on the B team. Um, you know, I've, there's there's so there's like all this work that goes into it. I mean, I'm talking to you guys right now, right? And I know for a fact that the kind of dedication that you all put into this, this this constant grind, it 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 eventually leads to something where where you know I'm looking at y'all on ESPN, right? And and it's but it has to start somewhere. So like somebody somebody's flaming you in the comments section. You know, it's like oh, Vinny doesn't know he's talking about. Aaron's like full of, you know, but like it's this just constant showing up, this belief in yourself. And then next thing you know, you're on TV. Like I used to sit around and hang out with like Joe Shad and Lindsay Zarniak when Joe Shad was like writing for the Palm Beach Post and Lindsay was doing like Dolphins TV stuff and and we were like playing like board games like you know, on a weeknight and, and it's like, they just grind and hustle and nobody knows what they're doing until they look at it and say, like, Oh, Oh yeah. I always knew they were going to be stars. Like, no, you didn't. You were hating on them. Like, <laughs> and so those, we say the same thing about Mitch, you know, when, when right. like Kentucky wins a national championship and like, you know what? I knew it. I believed it. But yeah. Anyway. So. Well, one thing I want to hit and before we get into this drama stuff, you talked about having a belief in Kentucky and wanting to build something special there. And you did. I mean, you played for two winning teams, a bowl team in 99, 75 and 02, played with Jared Lorenzen, obviously an all time great. But how much pride do you take seeing this program where it's at right now, where it's going into a season ranked 20th in the country and expecting to compete with the national champions? 
tell you what, I've got so much pride. I mean, I, I have like this energy where I feel like I could run through a brick wall and, you know, it's <laughs> been a long time since my body actually felt capable of doing that. But I feel like if, if they were like, if Stoops was like, look, Otis, I need you to like, you know, strap up and come out here and do some damage. I could get it done. Like maybe one day. Um, no, I, I really just, it's, it feels, it feels good to know people used to come up to me and say, Oh, you played at Kentucky. Like, Oh man, I, you know, I remember the, you know, the, the miracle in the bluegrass with wow. LSU and, and, and I'm like, Oh yeah, I was on the field for that. And they're like, Oh man, that's crazy. Yeah. That, people don't tell, talk to me about that anymore. Like now it's yeah. like, man, you guys are good. Like you guys, you, you guys are putting guys in the NFL. You guys are doing this, doing that. And, and like, I, and I talked to y'all about this earlier every year i literally expect us to be like contending for the sec east and and playing in the sec championship and and i believe that you know when they hired excuse me when so when i saw when when they hurt first hired stoops i thought was finally we've got a guy who who really cares about defense and like knows how to produce like top talent, like take something good and turn it into great. This man's an actual coach, right? Like if you guys knew how many coaches like aren't really good coaches, you know, they're kind of riding on someone else's uh, coattails. They, they had an opportunity given to him. This man, it has, if consistently as an assistant at Florida state turned guys who were, really good into top talent and like that's what we need and then he got to kentucky and that's pretty much all he did you know you see like josh allen like i mean came out of nowhere no he didn't like this man this is this is what he does right and so so to see to see you know kentucky and mitch take a turn like that and get a guy in there like that who's who's who knows how to build people right and then, uh, you know, you see him talk about like changing the culture um, and you hear a lot of coaches talk about that, yeah. but like that, that change, that culture change, it also comes, it, part of it comes from changing the way the fan base thinks and talks about the team. And I think a perfect example is, I'm sure, and I know y'all are familiar with uh, Bengals football and, and how, you know, bad it's been over the years, but like there is, I lived in Cincinnati for, for four years and there was a certain kind of way that the fans talked about that team that led me to feel like unless like people speak differently about this, then like we're going to just continue to be in this place. And I think to a certain extent that happens at Kentucky because while I might be a guy who can tune it out, there's a lot of other guys that hear that noise and and it sows doubt in them. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, you get the right people come in with the right belief. So Joe Burrow, I'm a, I'm a winner. I don't, I, I completely wholeheartedly reject whatever happened before and we're going to win. Why not us? Like it, it, it is us. Right. And I feel like Stoops is that kind of guy. And I feel like he's just consistently just brought in people who believe that. And as that happens and continues to like to, to develop and build, yeah, there's gonna be a lot of people who are all of a sudden like wearing like you know blue and white, but they they grew up in San Antonio, yeah. and 
it's it's, it's like that that gets me super geeked. That whole respect thing outside of Kentucky, like, and it's still it's a lot better than it was. There's still some who want to lazily. Nah, it's still same old Kentucky. I, I listen to a few different radio shows throughout SEC country, and there's still some. Heard one this morning. Well, if you if you got to pick the teams of that second tier, who do you think is the first one to go to Atlanta? Kentucky, Tennessee, or Ole Miss? Tennessee. And, and they were picking Tennessee or picking Ole Miss. So there's South Carolina. They love there's, South Carolina. They Every always year. love South Carolina. Why? <laughs> Every, oh, year. Why? Every year in South Carolina. Look at this new quarterback. Look at this new – oh, my gosh. Wishing and hoping. I mean, hope. Like I think it goes must go back to uh, the program, you know, Wolfpack Den. I mean, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Y'all remember that movie? Yeah. 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 So, like – so, Aaron, I mean, I like – I think this is right. I don't know if this is right, but like, so in, in the program, I want to say Wolfpack Den is where South Carolina plays. Okay. And and so like, we just got so excited about playing there because it was just like a movie that we grew up with. And, and there was like this moment where, you know what, I, I feel like I'm a, I don't even remember the whole part, but there's this moment where Lattimore, um, who's, you know, this linebacker, he talks a lot of noise. I think he got steamrolled like on a big play at the goal line. And uh, and we kind of like had some fun with like the South Carolina players when we were you know doing the same to them. But yeah, I don't know why why South Carolina is uh, every they're the media darling as we like to say. But I think the big issue lately is that lack of respect is what something Mark Stoops felt was coming from the basketball coach. I mean that's obviously uh, the talk of town right now. Where you had. Uh, John Calipari, you know, double down on the basketball school and bring, you know, Georgia and Alabama's football program into it. And I do want to say quickly, I did get um, Kyle Tucker, who was down in the Bahamas from the Athletic. Uh, we, I was texting with him back and forth last week. And what his side of it, what Calipari's side of the story basically is, is he knows he messed up and he felt like he almost ruined the Bahamas trip uh, because of it. And what he was trying, the message he was trying to relay reportedly is, look, Alabama football, Georgia football, they get whatever they want because they have that status. And what he's saying is Kentucky basketball has that status too. But the mistake he did is, I think, and I want to hear your guys' takes on it, he brought up football almost patting them on the back saying, I hope they win their 10 games and get to a bowl game when one, they know the goals are bigger than that. They want to get to Atlanta. They want to win the SEC. And two, that's going to be something that Kirby Smart and you already see Brian Harson in Auburn and the Arkansas Athletic Department, they're using it against them in recruiting. So do you guys think it was as big a deal? Like what, what were your guys' uh, reactions when you guys heard that one? I think it was – it ended up being a big deal. Now, historically, and we talked about this earlier, when when people think of Kentucky, people outside of Kentucky, people in, in San Antonio where you're from, Otis, people in Connecticut where you're from, and when people think and hear Kentucky, first thing that comes to mind, basketball is one of the first things that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Kentucky Derby, bourbon, things like that <laughs> when you're – those are the things that Kentucky is known for. Most people across the country know about Kentucky basketball. Yep. Historically, it's Kentucky basketball school. Yeah, eight national championships, been good for years. I got it. But that 
goes without saying. So to me, if something goes without saying, there's no need to say it. No need to say <laughs> Kentucky's a basketball school. You can make valid points for wanting a basketball practice facility without saying a word about football. The Craft Center is 14, 15 years old. It's not crumbling and falling apart, but it's not at the level that Kansas and Duke is. Right. Make your case for a facility without even saying nothing about football. He could have done that. The thing that lets you know to me that Cal is out of line because he doesn't really apologize a lot. Aaron, you and I have sat in his press conferences. He always loved that <laughs> joke. I may have been wrong once, but it was back in 1978. That's his go-to dad or, joke. Or his wife is the wrong. only one that's right. Yeah. It's either him or his wife that are right. Yeah. <laughs> so when he tweets out, or TJ Bison or whoever has him tweet out, uh, that was my bad, or I said the wrong thing. That lets you know he knows. He knows the best stuff. And then the video he did with Key Farmer of BBN Tonight, where he basically says it. You see it on his face. I, I screwed up, and I, I got to fix it. We'll be fine. So the, the dude knows he said some stuff that he shouldn't have said. Stoops had a right to be kind of looking at him sideways. Maybe he shouldn't have retweeted Aaron's tweet. And I, was <laughs> well, Matt Jones from KSR was saying he was retweeting random people. No, he was retweeting media members. Yeah, I took that. Himself. I was not. I heard that comment from that. I was like, all right. He was retweeting media members, and so maybe that fan of flames a little bit more than it should have. But anybody's gonna be upset when you start where he started, two and ten, in a place with that hadn't been renovated yet. Commonwealth and the press box and stuff was in bad shape when and he the, and the pra- remember this his practice facility marks is only what 2016 and he still doesn't have his field the nutter field house and otis i don't i i couldn't tell you what your nutter field house went up i don't know if you practiced in it but that yeah. that's a, that, they say that kentucky and vanderbilt are the only two F, uh, fbs power five programs that don't have a dedicated indoor football practice field and that's something that you know i think cal stoops another reason he has a gripe with it is you know, hey, we had a deal to have this done finally, and I need it for recruiting. And now Cal's trying to jump the line, and that's another thing he's going to be upset with. And um, you could probably talk about how important those indoor facilities are. Yeah, I did play in, in Nutter Fieldhouse. Um, we can definitely talk about that a little bit. Um, so it's an old, yeah, it's it's old, and it's it's shared with you know like so many other sports, but yeah. Um, yeah, as far as like uh, you know, Kentucky being a basketball school, and you know whether Cal should have said it. I mean, Vinny, I think you make a great point, uh, which is kind of a point that I feel like my parents made when I was a kid. You know, I'm I'm the oldest of four, and anytime I wanted something, you know, the fastest way to not get what I wanted was to start pointing out what somebody else has. Like, well, you know, you let you let Zach have like that ain't none of your business. Like that's, that is none of your business is how, how it was, you know, put to me as a kid. And then, you know, as a lawyer, yeah, again, like the arguments, there's better arguments that can be made besides just pointing at what someone else has. And, and really, I don't even think if you're going to make, if you're going to make a comparison, let's not make a comparison from basketball program to a football program Yeah, because, you know, um, basketball 
does not have the same kind of following as football, college football. It doesn't make the same kind of money. Mm-hmm. And even to compare an Alabama, I mean, this man is like the greatest coach that we've ever seen in college sports. Well, not sports, I mean, because wouldn't, but at least football and mm-hmm. and what they're doing is is something that I don't think we've ever seen before in football. I don't think I like I don't even know that that anyone would say it's possible because of all the parity in football to be able to just dominate people the way they do. Nick Saban coming out and saying, you know, last year was a rebuilding season. Yeah. And he's literally right. You know, he's <laughs> actually a trophy winner and he was right. He's right. He's not yeah. even making this up. He's I mean the man said, right. he, he didn't come out here lying about stuff. He's right. It was a rebuilding year. And all they did was go out there and dominate people. And, you know, they didn't, they didn't get the job done in the end, but like, that's a, that, that team is scary every single year. If you told me they were going to, they're going to graduate, you know, like in George's case, you know, you said Aaron, nine, nine guys on defense and, yeah, and eight guys eight on, on offense. offense. That's right. If you told me that Alabama was going to do that. And after like going to the national championship, I'd still pick them to go to the national championship. So it's not really even a good comparison it, you know, if you're going to make the comparison and, and also, yeah, it does, it does, uh, um, you know, really kind of um, unfortunately knock like what's some really good work that's been happening at Kentucky. And, and, and I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure he wishes he could take it back. And, you know, I think we talked, we were talking about just, you know, Mitch's response and I was kind of reading about it. I didn't actually see it. You guys mm-hmm. were, you know, you were there, Aaron. Yeah. Um, and I think, people were saying the expectation was that he'd kind of come out and just kind of pour cold water on it, but he just kind of, you know, went ham. He and, uh, and I, you know, I like it, you know, I, I like a man that, you know, speaks softly and carries a big stick, you know, it's like this, this man is, uh, he's, he's gonna, he's gonna let it be known when he's, when he's not happy about something. And and for the most part, he's gonna, you know, play his cards close to his vest. So. Yeah, I think the t- the two things that came out of that press conference that kind of turned heads were one, he pretty much indirectly called Calipari. And remember, those two, Calipari and Mitch Barnhart, have never really had a great relationship. And since Dwayne P, the, the assistant athletic director, left to take the AD job at DePaul, it's gotten even worse. Uh, but the two quotes that really stood out were one, he indirectly called Calipari entitled, which is kind of something you were just talking about and I think is accurate. It does come off as entitled. It's like, ask, you know, what and knocking the things that aren't good enough. And then the second thing is um, Mark Story, who I'm not sure if you got to talk to him when you were a player here. He's been at the Lexington Herald leader forever. He mm-hmm. asked him if this is going to be another Bear Bryant and um, and uh, Adolph Ruff situation because they butted heads way back 70 years ago. And you can kind of compare these two coaches who are at the top of their game right now, especially in comparison. And they he said pretty much that, um, you know, as long as I'm here, I'm going to give them all the resources they want. Uh, but if that's not good enough for them, then they can leave. Coaches get replaced easily nowadays. So he really, like you said, he went ham. He really, uh, he's not happy these two guys are going at it. And I think it's more on Cal. He did start the press conference saying it was a, just a preventable thing. This didn't have to happen. And um, it, it just seems it just seems out of touch. It really does. And my tweet that got retweeted was, I thought it was just insulting because the other thing, and you mentioned this 
Alabama had a rebuilding year that if Jamison Williams doesn't get hurt in the national championship game, they're probably national champions rebuilding. And yes. Kentucky football has won a bowl game four years in a row. They've had two 10-win seasons. Kentucky basketball had the worst season in school history two years ago, and they lost to St. Peter's last year. Like, is that really the time to make that comment? Yeah, so that that's a lot of a lot of things at play, a lot of a lot of missteps to get there, a lot of missteps without communication and scheduled press conferences that had to already take place. That's right. Things, you know, said Stoops had to speak even though he had yes. yet talked to Cal or maybe didn't want to talk to Cal and he, he didn't want to talk because yeah. I was told that Cal Perry, the one thing he tweeted when he apologized, Vinny, that I didn't like is he did say I tried calling Stoops, but he didn't answer. He said it was like, I tried Mark and I'll try again. Mark is not – Mark is so focused on this team, man. This team is going to be really good. Uh, he knows it. He knows there's a lot they have to get done in these next three weeks of camp, uh, two weeks, two and a half weeks now before the start of the season. Uh, it's a new offensive coordinator, so there's – even though it's going to be a similar scheme, there's stuff to work on. You have some young, young guys in the DB room. So he's so focused on this team, he doesn't want to have this conversation right now. Like he does, I doubt when Cal gets back, he's probably back in town. I don't know. I doubt he even wants to meet with him right now. He's so focused on this team. And like, uh, like Otis said, that's what's so impressive about Mark. All he wants to do is coach up his guys. He doesn't want to deal with anything on the outside, but he's also not going to take any BS. He's going to stand up for his program. And that's why, you know, like you said, Vinny, I don't know if retweeting my thing and some of the other things was the right move, but I think it got it's got to fire up these you players knowing their coach has his back. Like Otis, if I mean, obviously this would wouldn't happen in that time in two thousand with Twitter, but if someone said that and you had Kyle Mummy or Guy Morris, wouldn't that fire you up to see them defend the program like that? I tell you what, you you want your coach to defend the program, you want the coach to defend you. You know, I won't tell you which coach said something about me in the paper, but you know, one of the most demoralizing <laughs> things that ever happened to me was I had a bad game. And the coach was in the paper saying Otis Grigsby had the worst game that he's ever oh my played. Gosh. And I was like, but the guy in front of me had a full cast on his arm and he was beating with me with it. Like, I don't, I don't really know. We don't, we don't learn how to like, like get past guys with clubs on their arms. So, uh, but yeah, no, you definitely want, you want that, that full support. Um, and it's kind of funny. I mean, you know, I, I know, and Stoops is focused, but at the same time, he's also on Twitter. So it's like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's usually not. He's not a big Twitter guy. That's why I was like, when it when I saw that retweet hit my phone, and it happened. I, I told you guys before, it happened within thirty seconds. Like I yeah. should have timed it. It would have been thirty seconds. And I was like, oh, it was probably an accident. He hit something. I don't know why he's up. But then when he started retweeting other ones, like, oh god, here we go. Yeah. So for him to go on social media like that, uh. And Vinny, you've obviously been around covering him too. That that's out of character for him. He's really pissed off, for a lack of better terms. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, definitely. Uh, and I mean, say what you want. He's he's a redhead. He's a fiery guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see that there anymore. Well, he, he was a redhead. And yeah. he... <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but the and Mitch too, as far as Barnhart, the. Uh, He's a quiet guy. He's reserved. He's, he's, you know, kind of not a lot of emotion. You, I saw some emotion from him that I liked. There were some things he kind of he could have handled better in the press conference. 
But when we had we had Auburn and Arkansas and these other schools tweeting out, you know, from their account, you know, Brian Harson and Bruce Pearl. Uh, and oh, Brian Harson's getting unity, fired in six weeks. By unity, the way. football, and basketball. If you did take a poll on who who wouldn't finish the season, is Brian Harson is going to be high on that list <laughs> when it comes to is he, he barely made it to this year. I thought he was going to get fired in the spring with all the scandalous stuff they had going on. Uh, so they're taking their shots. They're taking their digs because Cal says something he should have said. So everybody's taking their chances and taking their shots. But Mitch said he seemed a little bit shocked and perturbed that some colleagues of his are tweeting out stuff that he didn't expect to see them tweet. And he's like, well, if that's how they want to be, then let's play. And I, and went, I like oh, that. Yeah. Oh, whoa, Mitch. And, and this whoa. is a guy. He's like, roll up his sleeve. Let's go if that's how yeah. it's going to be. I had never seen I had never seen that kind of and swag from Mitch. Think... And, you know, <laughs> and the yeah. second thing, though, I got to take issue with is when uh, Mark Story thought he was being facetious, but when he was saying that kind of reprimanding the media he nobody, wasn't being facetious. nobody tweeted about Sidney mclaughlin or abby steiner he wasn't everybody no. tweeted about that mitch you you were way off base with that one though so. I, I i and i love mark's story and i i respect his opinion i looked the man in the eyes that guy was pissed he was not facetious at all he really thought that none of us covered those two ladies and what they were able to do mm. i i, I I'll give you stats right now. I wrote seven stories combined on those two in the last uh, last twelve months. So, like Mick, sorry, man, you're you're off on that. Yeah. And he wasn't facetious. And I think, but I will say, I did like that comment, Vinny, about all right, let's play it that way. Because I think one thing with Mick that the fans have taken issue with, for right or wrong, is he's old school. You know, he's a guy. Obviously, they want their alcohol sales. That's the big, you know, Twitter thing right now. And he's not budging on that. So he's an old school guy, and that's fine to some degree. So that when he saw that on Twitter, for me, I wasn't surprised because that's what Stoops was afraid of. It was going to be fuel in the recruiting field. But when Mitch saw it, it kept, caught him off guard. He's like, I thought they were my friends. There's no friends in college these days. It's it's that's cutthroat now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the I, I, I haven't been following the the alcohol thing. I mean, yeah. what's what's y'all's take on that? I, I'm. I've got thoughts. But... So the, yeah. So the reason I have issue with it and normally like, I don't, you know, everyone's entitled to make their own own decision here is the folks who get to sit in the club seats. I, I think I forget what the name of the club is at, at Kroger field. They get served alcohol. It's Woodford. 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 Yes. Thank you. Yeah, you're right. Like those, <laughs> those, those got the, 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 the wealthier folks get access to it. Why can't the general public? Like that's my complaint. Like if it was if it was a clean ban, like no one uh, gets treated differently than others, I'd be fine. With it. But it, the fact that there's different rules for different, you know, different <laughs> seats in the crowd, that, that doesn't mm. sit right with me. And now I think at first when the SEC lifted this ban, I think four years ago now, it was a decision and it was about 50 50. I think Kentucky and one other school now that Alabama's decided to lift the ban. Or the, the, that's the two that's left, and Auburn. Uh, Auburn, yes, thank you. So it's just, it's just time to catch up with the times, in my opinion. I, I mean, I'd rather see fans there and be able to stand up straight and not be drunk off their butts. But uh, at the same time, if if the folks that sit in the in the fancier seats get get the alcohol, I think the common the common people should too. Well, uh, look, I oh oh sorry sorry, Vinny. Um, go ahead. I was just gonna say, Ness, 
probably not right that just the rich and the Whitford Club should get it. But if we look at a lot of stuff in life, isn't right. But the, the, rich, right. the rich have access that's true. that the rest of us don't. And <laughs> that's kind of the way it is in Kroger Field. But, you know, so, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I like I do under I do get you know why the club area would get this access. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of money. I mean, a lot of money goes into you know all the renovations. I mean, that's that's the source of that, right? So I I get buying you know a little bit of um, extra I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, opportunities for yourself but yeah but i'll say this i mean and i don't know what the arguments for are, are like there are for like against it but to me it seems like not having alcohol for sale at the game makes it more likely that you're going to just overdo it in the parking yes. lot because you've got to like get as sauced up as possible so you can ride it out toward the end and i just tell you all this this is like very embarrassing I've never said this like publicly, <laughs> like on a podcast. It's so embarrassing, but like the most drunk I've ever been in my entire life was because of a like a you know a tailgating type situation. I I went to um so my ex wife's uh so my ex wife's like cousin uh he's in a fraternity and I won't say which fraternity it was, but I went to their frat party before the game it was my first frat party in my life mm -hmm. at this point i was like i don't know 35 years old so i'm at a frat party 35 years old getting ready to go to a football game and someone hands me a cup of straight bourbon that's this big i mean it's filled like to this point and it was kind of like I got like socially pressured into drinking like too much alcohol. It was weird. Yeah. It was like, I was like, can I, you got like some ice or a mixer? And it's like, oh, you need, you need a mixer. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Is, is that, do you need a mixer? And I was like, you know what? No, I'm, I'm good. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and I remember in that game, like I usually am not in the club area, but that particular game, I was in the club area and, and I, and I was sitting next to, two men who I'd worked with at a law firm in town and I was in my, and I, my vision was blurry. I couldn't even think like I could, I, I'm thinking to myself, like these people must think I'm like a complete like disaster. I didn't want anyone to see me. And I literally hid in the bathroom for like the second half of this football game because I was so messed up. So if you think about the number of people who are coming to the games, like just really wasted, like, I think that it's it might be better to to kind of manage that moderation in the game and then also make more money um and then maybe you know Cal can your, your, facil your facility facility <laughs> I, I but, agree. You know, I don't yeah. know yeah yeah and I'll tell I mean I, as a you know I was a student at UK before you know graduating doing what I'm doing now and you see all these kids stumbling drunk. I mean, love my girlfriend. First, my first game at UK when I was a fan, she was too drunk. I had to get her out by before the second quarter. Like, and I was pissed. So yeah. I don't want to deal with that as another fan. And um, 
I, and I get that too. I think it would limit the, those distractions. And I think, you know, the argument for not having it that Mitch Barnhart had on, on Saturday, at least, is we already have a great atmosphere. And he's right. The atmosphere at Kroger Field has been unbelievable lately, especially uh, the Florida game last year and the LSU game. Those were unbelievable crowds. But um, I just think even if those extra thousand people who wouldn't normally be in the stands that night because they got too wasted before the game. It makes a difference, especially in, in the SEC. You saw, I don't know if they win that Florida game without the crowd last year when you had eight false start penalties all by the crowd. It makes a big difference. It, it does make a big difference. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I mean, what you, the, what you say about, like, the people missing, and, and it's usually, I mean, first of all, as a player, you see it. Like, you yeah. recognize the, the, the gaps, right? And at Kentucky, it's usually um, in the student section. And, and, you know, like, okay. And I don't want to, I, I don't want to get into comparing Kentucky versus like Texas A&M, but you know, I've only sat in the stands at so many other away, you know, teams. And, and so at college station, when we played and we lost that, that really tough game. Oh, man. Was, yeah. A few years 2018, ago. 2018. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, the thing about it is, you know, that student section, you know, there, no one's leaving. I mean, nope. you know, they got the yell practice the night before and all that stuff, which is really fascinating and exciting, but like no one's leaving. And, and, and I've had conversations with people who went to Kentucky, actually my physical therapist, who's fantastic. Um, and she was just like, yeah, I mean, when I was at Kentucky, we, you know, since sorority we'd go, we'd get like plastered before the game and like, and we're leaving like early and we're getting started at the bars because we want to keep drinking. So yeah, it's, it's uh it does make a difference. Um, and, you know, it's not like we have the largest like capacity, you know, so it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it, it, there's a difference between, you know, the experience with how was it like 70,000 at Kroger field or, uh, a little shorter than that. I think it's 68, 60. Yeah. It's in the 60s. Yeah, so I want to say, I want to say, I know Missouri and Vanderbilt are smaller. I yeah. think it might be the third smallest in the SEC. I might have that wrong, but I know obviously it doesn't compare to Tennessee or, 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 or Texas A&M. LSU. I mean, you go into those places and it's like, I mean, Tennessee, my goodness. Like, <laughs> like I, I've sat all the way at the top of Neyland stadium. I'm like scared. I'm going to fall out. It's all, it, it's huge. It, it was so intimidating just like being down there and looking up and it's like, these people are on top of me. Mm -hmm. It's cold and we're getting our face whooped. It's not, this is not fun. Uh, yeah. It, 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 the atmosphere, whatever, you know, if you can get an extra 2000, 3000 people staying in their seats, engaged, I mean, that's, that's helpful, but obviously you, you don't want people crazy and, and falling all over the place. Cause I've seen, you know, some scary stuff in the stands uh, just to kind of tell a quick, this is an NFL slash college football story. Um, so when I was with the Dolphins, uh, we were scheduled to play the Chargers uh, in San Diego. Uh, so we we fly out there, and then there's wildfires threatening the area, the local area. We're 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 about to land. So as we come into our descent, the plane smells like it's on fire because there's so much black smoke in the in the air. And, and so we're flying through this and it's just dark. We get down and we get to the hotel and they're like, Hey guys, don't get too comfortable because we might need to head out of here because, you know, they're thinking about canceling the game and we're like, what? Okay. So 
turns out they they need to use what was you know their stadium was Qualcomm Stadium at the time. Yep. So they need to use Qualcomm Stadium as a refugee uh, location because it's so bad. And and so we and so they're like we're gonna move the game to Sun Devil Stadium um, in Tempe, and it's like okay, so we hop on a flight, we fly to Arizona, and we're gonna have this game there. And I think they moved it to Monday night to like make up for like what was going on. So they made this game free for anyone anyone to come. And and they were basically saying we're we're taking donations for people who were displaced and you know have you know dealing with like fire damage things like that in San Diego. This was the like it was essentially like a college football game, like an Arizona State college football game, but in the NFL. <laughs> I've never seen so many drunk people. Like these people oh, were so drunk. God. I mean, like we were like everywhere you look, we're getting flashed. Um, <laughs> there's like. There's fights going on everywhere. Oh, I mean, I had thought man. I was going to see someone die. Like, I was like, Jeez. someone, we're looking up. It's like, oh, the upper deck, these dudes are fighting. Like, someone's going to fall over the edge. Like, so I, I do I do get the the other, the counter to that. So it's, you know, but yeah, people are going to drink. They're going to find ways to drink. They're sneaking yeah, in. They're, yeah. they're doing what they need to do. So maybe we'll make money <laughs> off of this. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Got a lot in in this episode. Got to get in a word from our sponsor too, La Terrain Watches. If you're looking for a stylish, sophisticated watch that makes a statement. Look no further than our collection of men's watches. They got women's watches too. This ads about men's. Whether you're looking for a casual watch to wear every day or address your option for special occasions, we have the perfect watch for you. If you go to LaTerrain.com, the collection, they got the Compass, the Atlas, the Seafarer, the Legacy, all kinds of different watches. LaTorraine.com, L-A-T-O-U-R-A-I-N-E.com. Dave and Ben are the main two that keep this site up and running and keep this business up and going. You can hit the chat on the site and Dave will answer any questions you have before you make your purchase. You can make an informed purchase of your watch or accessory for men or women. Go to LaTorraine.com. So we always Appreciate them sponsoring the podcast and our good friends at aseaofblue.com. Each episode of this podcast is up and posted. Jason Markman, the fellas, put the episode up on the podcast. Do a little write-up about whatever we talk about. Then you can hit the links, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. They put that down at the bottom. Always appreciate a sea of blue just getting us out there to even more members of BBN in Kentucky and throughout the United States and even those out of the country that listen. <laughs> we appreciate all that as well. Sure do. But man, Otis, we had a ball getting to know yeah, you. Yeah, man. Got a few good stories. You know you got plenty more where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. I gotta I gotta fil- I gotta filter a little bit. I gotta go back and make sure like, which one of these can I actually tell. But yeah, I, I really <laughs> it's there's a there's a lot of can't, but I enjoyed uh, enjoyed this with y'all. This was a lot of fun, um, high energy. I mean, I I can't even tell it's like bedtime for me. So this is great. <laughs> yeah, you got a and you got a you got a newborn man. I can't imagine how tired you you are right now. And I'm here. I've been moving my brother into his college dorm. I'm complaining how tired I am. I can't I, I can't imagine what you're going through right now. Moving <laughs> is hard. Is hard it's work. Hard and any anybody who. I used to say this joke and I don't say it anymore because it's like, I think it's pretty offensive, but 
Um, and now I'm going to say it. Uh, so I, I'd have friends reach out to me. They're like, Hey, like, can you, can you help me like move? I'm like, you know what? Moving is really hard work. That's that, like, you can pay someone to do that, but you know what you can't pay someone to do? Help you move a body. So if you ever do something where you need help move a body, I'm a real friend. I'll help you do that. But like, don't bother me about moving your stuff. Like pay someone to do that. That's, that's, you know, right. inappropriate, but you know, no, that's funny. Just saying, just saying. Differentiation sounds like that's all. Real friends, yeah. right? Who are your real friends? So, Absolutely. anyway, but that, no, you're good. You're good, brother, for that. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, man, appreciate y'all. AG and OG, this has been fun. We'll get this all out to the listeners. Everybody, take a second to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast as well. Tell your friends, retweet it on Twitter and all that good stuff. And until next time, we'll see everybody on another episode of Believe in Kentucky. We'll catch y'all next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.